Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Hey, and welcome back to another episode here on GEMS Podcast. With me in the hot seat is a special guest by the name of Jakia Lindley. And we are going to learn more about the work that she is doing as a sexual assault and victim advocate. Um, But let me tell you a little bit more about Jakia. From an early age, Jakia dreamed of being a judge, an attorney, or somehow being a part of something bigger than herself. Also looking to protect and serve her community, she eventually found her calling in the Air Force. She joined the military in 2010 and is currently a staff sergeant in the U.S. Air Force. Lindley studied criminal justice and psychology at the American Military University before switching her focus to business management. Known to her family and friends as Kia and for a time as Slim, she grew up in a loving single parent home with her two other siblings. Aside from writing her passions in life and uplifting others, teaching as a certified master resiliency trainer and as a certified Department of Defense sexual assault advocate, fine food and wine, art, music, and last but certainly not least, binge watching her favorite shows. Jakia was born in Memphis, Tennessee, raised in Canton, Ohio, and now resides with her husband and daughter in Hawaii, where she is currently learning to surf. So without further ado, let's welcome this firehouse, Jakia Lindley. (laughs) Thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. My pleasure, Jakia, and let's dive into your work that you're doing now. So dealing with women who face sexual assault, battery, and all of that can definitely affect their mental health, stability, and well-being. So what led you down the path that you're on currently? Okay, so um, being a sexual assault victim advocate, um, I always wanted to give back and support people in a different way that I um, didn't have when I was assaulted. So I support both men and women um, of assault Um, And that process looks like um, in the military, you have two different reporting options. You have a restricted reporting, which means the information that you tell me, uh, another representative, it stays confidential. So you don't have to name your assailant. You just, it's like a venting process and it gets put on record. And at any point, you can always turn your, um, your report from restricted to unrestricted. And the unrestricted means there's an investigation involved and only the people in your chain of command in the military, your work center, um, would be in the know, which would be your commander and also your first sergeant. No one else is aware of your situation. And that is only to um, provide support within your work center. Um, And the only difference between the two is there's no investigation started. And then also the member um, has the opportunity under the unrestricted report to do an expedited transfer and it's called ET for short but the expedited transfer is to remove the um, victim from their permanent um, station so let's say I was in Florida and I got an expedited transfer I can go anywhere in the best needs of the Air Force 
to a support system that I have in place, like family or friends, I can go anywhere. So for, in my case, I did an expedited transfer from Florida to California, even though I didn't have family in California, it was to get away from the environment and away from my attacker. Um, and that's why I became a victim advocate is to provide that support because I am a victim of assault. And what I needed was someone there for me 24 seven. If I needed someone, someone's going to answer my call, someone that's going to support me through the entire process, because sometimes during the process, you can feel alone. And as a victim advocate, you have that support system there. Um, and it's optional. You don't have to have a victim advocate. But during the process, I'm there if you need um, support during your, your treatments, support um, going back and forth to your appointments. I can also assist the, um, the member if the case does get moved to a court martial, which is going to court. Um, I can be there supporting them the entire process. Thank you for sharing that and elaborate. And having been in the shoes, and I'm sorry that you had to go through that, was the was the assailant someone that you knew or someone you did not know? Um, so I would say I didn't know this person, but I did know this person because they were in my work center. And I was fresh into the military. I think I was maybe four, maybe five months into the military, very brand new, 18 years old when I was assaulted. And I didn't know this person. I knew of them because they were in my work center, but to engage in conversation where I knew more than the basic tip of the iceberg, like, hey, how are you? What's your name? What's your family like? It, it, wasn't, it didn't run any deeper than that. Wow, and thank you for sharing that. And then just looking at the military from a holistic perspective, do you see um, women being assaulted in more branches than others? Um, statistically, one in three women that is served that serves our country will be assaulted by the time they exit the service. And for men, the statistics right now, um, it fluctuates all the time because people are constantly making reports and then some people don't make reports, but when people do make the reports, our, our statistics change drastically. So right now is one in five men in the um, service will be assaulted as well before their, um, their time in the service ends. Thank you for sharing the statistics. And a few years ago, Fort Hood got a really bad rap after the whole Vanessa Guillon situation. Yes. And then after that, more cases were arising out of mm -hmm. that particular base. So being in the line of work that you're doing, do you think there's anything that could have been done to mitigate what had happened? And I know hindsight 2020, and we can't go in the past and change it, but we can learn from the past in order to make progress. What are your viewpoints? Um, so when it comes to Vanessa again, it is such a tragic um, story with her. And it, it pulls on my heart because at any moment that could be any of us in the military. Um, and it's very unfortunate. And every time I think about her case and her family, like I just get teary eyed because it's just like, this didn't need to happen. And she was absolutely failed. And when it comes to the situation, um, dealing with sexual assault or sexual harassment, there is a lot of um, stigmas behind it. And then there's a lot of um, leaders that are not well equipped to deal with um, a lot of these cases. And then there's also um, 
when it came to the CID, they were not well equipped um, and educated in how to handle cases. They had like, they're extremely undermanned. So when they're handling these cases, a lot of times they get overlooked or they don't get worked properly. And then you also have the internal problem within your organization where people want to keep things in-house. People sweep things up under the rug. People don't really take their concerns um, as seriously as they need to be taken. And it leads to situations like this where there's a huge lack of concern, a huge lack of um, safety, and a huge lack of education. So she could have 1,000% been protected, and this did not need to happen. It was a very senseless, negligent, um, unfortunate event that happened to her and is not uncommon. Mm, Yeah, because I feel like sometimes whenever situations happen, whether it's in the military or outside of the military, sometimes the assailant will put fear in their um, victim where that victim does not feel, you know, empowered to speak up and seek for help and guidance because of maybe the repercussions that that assailant has planted in their head, which is affecting them mentally, physically, emotionally, psychologically, and et cetera. So how can we encourage that speaking up about it is not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of strength to make sure that we get you back on track and you don't necessarily have to live with the emotional bondage and baggage. Yes, so there is, like you were saying, a huge fear Um, From my personal experience, there was a huge fear of me ever wanting to move forward. So with the first case that I had, and I've been assaulted in the military, I don't, I was like countless number of times, but the first um, incident, um, I didn't even report it. I told my friend and she told me, hey, you maybe need to tell somebody what happened. And I was terrified to tell someone because I felt like they were immediately going to judge me. They were going to blame me, but I'm like, this happened in the work center. Um, yes, my assailant tried to assault me. He tried to rape me in my work center with people present. And he was fully exposed in the work center. And that was the climate that I was working in. So leading up to that, I didn't have the, the courage to even come forward because he had made advances and other people had made advances. And whenever I went to go try to speak out, I was told to, you know, suck it up. If you're going to be so sensitive about, you know, these comments people are making towards you, um, you just need to get out of the military. It's a male-dominated military. I was, those words were always thrown around me. So when this happened to me, I was petrified because I just felt weak. I felt like, oh, here she goes again complaining. But I'm just like, this was such a a gruesome uh, situation that I feel like someone needs to say something. So I told my leadership and the first thing they did was they, they blamed me. I got paperwork, I got punishment um, for speaking out. Um, and then eventually and they tried to keep it up under the rug and people were retaliating against me. They were like, they called me, they went around calling me penis girl because I was just so afraid to see his and be attacked. So they called me names. They hazed me like every single time I walked back to my desk. Um, things where my lunch was, was thrown away. They had little remarks. Um, they left notes um, like telling me, you know, kill myself or um, don't talk to her. Or she'll ruin your career. So there were so many things that was happening. Um, and then my commander, he heard what was happening. He heard the incident because my section tried to keep it from escalating. And no one knew besides my section. So when my commander heard what happened, 
he immediately was like, oh no, this is not happening at my Air Force. And he stood beside me and he's the one that um, preferred charges. Like, hey, we need to get this person out um, or whatever the justice system, but I want to bring this to justice and handle the right way. So uh, fast forward, he went to court. Um, three other uh, victims came out um, during the um, trial because he um, would sit and he would show other airmen porn in the work center and say, this is what I see. I, I picture you when I watch this. So he had so many incidences where people were just sweeping up under the rug. And at, at the end of the trial, he gets discharged. He goes to jail. He gets discharged from the military and he gets, he gets reduced in pay. But I would think like justice was served. But as soon as that happened, people start retaliating against me. People start doing worse things to me and bodily injury. Like it was, it was very, very hard um, for me. And it set that tone for me that I do not want to ever speak out ever again. Because if this is what happens when you're assaulted and um, they actually get held accountable and there was facts, there was so much evidence and I became basically the, the perpetrator. I became the person that ruined this man's life and no one cared about me. No one cared about anything that they're doing to me and they hazed me and abused me with impunity for years. Wow, I'm so, so sorry that you had to deal with that type of behavior, which was highly unprofessional, not warranted, and should not have happened for someone that signs up to serve and protect our country. Do you think that if you were not a woman of color, that they would have handled the situation differently. And I know it's not always about race, but in this society where everything is so polarized, yeah. I can easily see how maybe if this would have happened to another person that was non-melanated, maybe it would have been handled differently. But what are your viewpoints there, Jakia? Um, I would, uh, I would more be more inclined to say that you're right in that. But at the same time, I had abuse from both I had, I was being um, hazed against um, people of color and also people of, um, of non-color. I was, I was hazed all the way around. And then there was other women that weren't of color and they were hazed as well. So in this environment, it, the only, I guess the only bias that people had to, I guess, haze and abuse them was just simply just being a woman. Okay. And then what made you stay in the military? Because I've never been in the military. My sister was in the Navy. She was a CB. And, but I did spend 15 years in corporate America in a male-dominated setting, which is kind of similar. So I was in oil and gas and energy. And I remembered, you know, having sexual advances and comments like, if you would have wore that dress for your performance review XYZ or wearing your hair naturally curly is not professional. So I would always get Dominican blowouts when I was in the workplace because I didn't want to wear my natural hair as it is now. It's very mm -hmm. curly um, and just different things or um, different comments where, oh, what do you think people are saying about a young African-American having dinner across the table from me? And 
all these types of questions, which, you know, on, are unwarranted, especially if you are the youngest woman or the only woman of color on your team and you're there with a direct report. So that could either make or break your career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I feel like being in a male dominated field, sometimes you may just want to take the easy route and check out, or sometimes you stay because you want to prove a point, like you're not going to break me or force me to get out. So what are your, um, what were your feelings like being in a male dominated environment and this happening to you? Were you ever ready to just mentally check out and just say, you know what? Oh my gosh. Yes, so many times. So what kept me in at that time, what kept me in was I did not join to get raped. I did not join to get mistreated. I signed up to serve my country. I did not sign away the rights to my body. And I was so determined to stay in and get out on my terms. And every single time I wanted to get out on my terms, something happened. And I was like, oh, no, they're not going to win. So then there would be that period of peace where I'm just like, okay, I'm going to get out on my terms. And then they would do something. And I was like, nope, this is not it. They're not going to win. This is not, I'm not going to let them um, mess up my career path. Because when I joined the military, I wanted, like I, like you said in the beginning, I wanted to be a judge. That's my ultimate goal that I wanted to retire as a judge. Um, I wanted to anything criminal justice, legal background. I, I had that passion. So when all this stuff was happening to me, I was like, this is against the law. So then I started learning um, a different type of law. I learned the UCMJ, which is the Uniform, Uniform Code of Military Justice. And what um, my mom always told me, is they can take every materialistic thing from you. They can take all your worldly possessions, but they can never take your education. They can never take your mind. So feed it, educate it. And if you have that behind you, nothing else matters. So I got my nose in a book. I educated myself and I knew my rights. And I didn't get into that mindset until about 2015. So in 2011, when I joined, in 2010, I joined, but then when I first got to my duty station, I was assaulted in 2011. And I, 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 I was just broken and I had no direction. And then during my court martial, I was classified as a witness. I wasn't a victim. The military classified me as a, so I was a witness to my own assault because, because of the physical, because he didn't physically assault me like no penetration, I was not considered a rape victim, even though he did not, even though he was coming at me, even though the intention was to assault me, the act did not happen. So therefore I was not classified as a victim. So I didn't get any of the services. I didn't get any of the treatment. I didn't get offered therapy. I didn't get offered. It was like, Hey, you're just a witness, suck it up, go through the court martial and then go back to work. And it wasn't until 2015 when the military changed this regulation, now I am now classified as a victim. I was like, it took you four years to classify me as a victim. And that's when I get all the services. I get the mental health services. I get the expedited transfer. I get all these services that I needed. Uh, but at that point, the damage had already been done. So that's when my mindset just starts switching. I was like, oh, I need to stay in because this, this is not right. And that's when I just like realized, I was like, something has to give. I was like, we need to reform, we need change because I don't want something that happened. I don't want what happened to me 
happen to the next person. And that's what drove me. And every single situation kept fighting and fighting and fighting. And every single time I'm like, I'm going to get out. Okay. I can't do this anymore. Next, you know, I'm raising my right hand, swearing for another six years to do this. I'm like, I'm insane because I just wasn't ready at that time. I joined for a reason. I joined for a purpose. And my goals and my purpose and everything did not get me to kept getting delayed. So I felt unaccomplished. I felt like they worn me down and I'm leaving the service as a, as a victim. I didn't serve with honor. I didn't serve the way I thought I could serve my country. I served a purpose and they used that purpose and assaulted me. That's, that's how I saw myself. It was just like, I'm just here for their pleasure. I'm just here to, when I speak out, I just get punished. So, um, I was actually planning on getting out um, in 2020, but here I am 2022 because my purpose changed. It's like, you know what? I'm here for a reason. I am turning my trauma and my pain and advocating for change because I'm not going to leave on their terms. I'm going to leave on a way and a positive note that I made a difference. I made a change. I made an impact. And there's people inside this military that want to speak. They need a voice and I will be here advocating for them, not afraid anymore of speaking out. And if me speaking out causes so much stir, so much drama, so much tension, then I'm okay with that if it makes it easier for the next person to come through. And I will not leave until I, this is my mission now, until I make it better for everyone else to serve this country. Well, kudos to you for holding your own, remaining steadfast and not allowing them to drive you out. But then also for you going through the process of having a paradigm shift when it comes to your mindset and really getting clarity and refocusing on your why and your purpose for why you intentionally went into the military, what is keeping you there, and what is driving you to really create an imprint that is going to drive an impact. And as we begin to wind down, do you see yourself starting a nonprofit to help all women that have been victims of sexual and domestic violence or abuse? I do eventually. Um, there is an organization that I just attended and I just learned about is called FEW, which is Federally Employed Women, and they don't have a chapter in Hawaii. So I am doing my best to try to get a chapter open um, to empower women um, of all backgrounds um, to come and uh, share in fellowship, um, to learn from each other, to grow and learn how to um, navigate the um, the the corporate world that we find ourselves in always being for every 10 um, men, there's a one woman. And it's funny because I work in a work center, there's only two women. Um, so um, so I, I believe in equality. I believe in um, women being in these positions um, to help mold, shape our future and to create that um, presence in our work center. So I'm really excited to get started on that. Really excited to open this chapter in Hawaii soon. Um, so I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm all over it. <laughs> super, super kudos to you. And I'm excited to see what that chapter is going to look like whenever you, um, break down those those walls and get it built up there. And let's jump into our call to action, Jakia. What do you want the audience to gravitate to, whether it's a challenge, a resource, 
or anything that will cause them to really become an advocate and stand with you in solidarity regarding the work that you're doing? Um, so I call it break the silence. Um, so just you may not be able to empathize or to have a situation where you're like, oh, this happened to me, but it doesn't, um, it doesn't need to affect you personally for you to understand, for you to have empathy, for you to understand what your brother and your sister or those around you, because in a service, there's one in three women that are assaulted and one in five men that are assaulted. So the chances that you know someone indirectly um, being a victim of assault having these tools and understanding in the education background will help you empower and uplift the person that um, is a victim of assault. So better to support them, to stand by them, to rally around them and uplift them and help them get through a troubling time in their lives. Thank you for leaving that. And how can the audience connect with you via your website or on social media? Um, so they can go to jmlinley.com. Um, and all my contact information is on there. They can also find me on Instagram, which is, which is Jakia Lindley. Um, they can also find me on Facebook, which is, which is uh, space Lindley. And then uh, all my socials are on there. They can connect with that. Thank you so much, Jakia, for coming on and sharing your story, as well as giving us some resources and thinking about this from a different viewpoint. And I, once again, I want to thank you for your service in the Air Force. And for all of our audience listening, all of Jakia's contact information will be in the show notes. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. We're on 40 plus platforms. And you could also see the video to this segment by going to our YouTube channel, which is at Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And I want to thank each one of you for continuing to support the movement of the podcast, which is to bring on subject matter experts or have conversations around topics that are educational, inspirational, and motivational, while we also weave in diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Because of you and your continuous support, we're now ranked in the top 2% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts per www.listennotes.com is where you can find all the metrics. The proof is in the pudding. And I encourage you to go out and make change. In order to create change, you have to be the change you want to see. So peace love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at gems, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcast.